This has been some good stuff this morning already, hadn't it? It's worth getting through the snow to get here for so far. Wow. Have you enjoyed worshiping? Anybody? Just me and Lee? Come on. Wow. I mean, that's about as good a job as we can do. I mean, we've had a grandmother baptize her beautiful granddaughter. We've had great music, the choir. I mean, they got it going. And, you know, I wanted to join with that foursome of ladies and sing for years, and they won't ask me, and I understand why. I am just glad to be here, and I'm glad you're here. I am so glad you're here, because I believe God has you here purposefully. And you're going to hear a message today about the fact that that, that God has the power to change everything in your life if you'll just take a step of faith, a simple step of faith. We're talking about ridiculous faith, and, and we're going to focus solely on that word faith today, and, and, and faith that has consequences that are enormous in making the things that you need to happen in your life happen. Uh, I want to just start by asking you to fill in that first blank in your outline. And, and I don't want you to think small here. I want you to think big, okay? You understand the difference between thinking big and thinking small, Right? Don't limit God when you answer this question, if only I had blank, my life would be easier, better, happier, if only I had more money, if only I had a better job, if only I had a husband, if only I had a wife, if only I had a better husband, better wife. Husband with a job, I don't know. Think big. And that question or or that blank filling in, I think, leads to another question. What is your greatest need in life? You see, here's what I think happens in in, in all of our lives. I think that... uh, We believe that we can control our own lives, that we do a pretty good job of being God in our life, that we can deal with the circumstances, we can fix the problems, we can take care of what comes our way, and sometimes we don't have to have very much faith. We don't have to have ridiculous faith. And, and most of the time, we almost limit God by not turning to Him when we should. And sometimes we limit God by not asking Him for anything that's really God-like, something that's big. So some of you are here today, and, and you're in one category or the other. You've either lost faith, and you're struggling, no faith at all, maybe, not really trusting, not really believing. Some of you have faith, but you're not utilizing it very much. Some of you 
maybe even at times in your life, have had ridiculous faith, amazing faith. But you're not using it now. How long has it been since you've asked God to do something amazing? Can I tell you what I prayed for not long ago? I prayed for two things. Number one, that it would snow like crazy. Number two, that Kentucky would not lose a basketball game. Now, see, it's going well, isn't it? Seriously, how long has it been since you've asked for something that only God can do? How long has it been since you've seen something amazing? I'm going to show you just a few, just a few sights around the world, just so you can remember that God and people working together can do some pretty cool things. I want to go there someday. <laughs> it gets worse as it goes along. That's a miracle. He stuck that one in on me. I just wanted you to know. So, let me teach you a truth today. Sometimes your greatest need can drive you to depend on God. I want you to think about that for a minute. Your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. I'm going to read uh, a passage of Scripture today, but before I do so, I, I want to set the context. You know, we're talking about Elisha, uh, the successor to the great prophet Elijah, and Elisha had a lot of really interesting things that happened in his life, a lot of things that uh, came uh, about as a result of his faith and God's ability story we read about today takes place when three kings, king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom determined that they were going uh, to come together, bring their armies together to do battle against the Moabites. And they developed a great scheme and strategy uh, to win the battle. You ever developed a great scheme, strategy, planned something out, and, and you just knew it was going to be perfect? Anybody? Does the snow strike everyone numb or dumb or something? I don't know, because it's like you guys are out there and you're doing that. You know, and I've wore pink. I've done everything I can to energize the place. So let's, you know, you can take a nap all afternoon. I don't care. But let's, let's get this going, all right? Let's read this story. The king of Israel, 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 9 the king of Judah and the king of Edom started out on what proved to be a looping detour. Uh, you ever been on a looping detour? Not since you got your GPS. It'll just take you to the wrong place. After seven days, they had run out of water for both army and animals. They'd come together, had a great plan, a great strategy, they forgot that they may not find the Moabites as quickly as they thought they would. They forgot they were in a desert. They'd run out of water. They were going to die. And the king of Israel said, bad news. 
God has gotten us three kings out here, gotten the three of us out here to dump us into the hand of Moab. Let's just be honest. How many of you have ever done something stupid and blamed it on God? Yeah. Don't you imagine God really enjoys that theater? Watching us do something stupid and acting like he told us to do it suddenly, right? King of Israel said, God's got us out of here. We're going to die. Daggone him, basically. But Jehoshaphat, this is old jumping Jehoshaphat. He said, isn't there a prophet of God? Can you just see him? He's kind of running this, this thought through his head. Isn't there a prophet of God anywhere that we could use to consult God? And one of the servants of the king of Israel said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is around somewhere. He's the one who's Elijah's right-hand man. Jehoshaphat said, good, a man we can trust. So the three of them, the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom went to meet him. Elisha addressed the king of Israel, what do you and I have in common, he said. Go and consult the puppet prophets, say that really quick, by the way, of your father and your mother. Never, said the king of Israel. It's God who's got us into this fix. He hadn't changed his song. Dumping all three of us into the hands of the Moabites. And Elijah says, as God of the angel armies lives. I've heard that song, haven't you? And before whom I stand ready to serve, if it weren't for the respect that I have for Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I wouldn't give you the time of day, but considering, bring me a minstrel. And when a minstrel played, the power of God came upon Elijah. He then said, God's word, dig ditches all over this valley, and here's what will happen. You won't hear the wind, you won't see the rain, but this valley will fill up with water and your army and your animals will drink their fill. This is easy for God to do. He will also hand over Moab to you. You will ravage the country, knock out its fortifications, level the key villages, clear cut the orchards, clog the springs, and litter the cultivated fields with stone. Now here's a very clear-cut message about the greatest need, an astronomical need, a life-or-death situation causing a group of people to be driven to depend on God. And the story is rather comical in nature. These guys have reached the end of their rope. And so one of them says, the king of Israel, who said, God got us here, maybe God can get us out. Isn't there someone here who could help us? Someone here who we could connect to God with? And so they remembered Elisha. Elisha comes to meet them, and it is such a beautiful encounter. Such a beautiful encounter. These guys were desperate. These kingly guys, these rulers, these leaders were desperate for help. 
And so they probably had heard about what Elisha had been doing. This is his first year of prophesying, and he had had a really good rookie year. Uh, Maybe you remember reading in the Bible about how he parted the Jordan River. They'd heard that story. Maybe you heard about how he came to uh, 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 some water that was polluted, a stream that was polluted, and how he cleansed and cleared the water and made it ready for drink. Maybe you heard about when he was walking through the gate into the city, and and the Bible kind of lets us know in a good way that Elisha was not a good-looking man. Matter of fact, the Bible says he was, he was kind of ugly. And it also says this, and these two things aren't the same. It said he was bald. And, and so he's going through the gate, and there are a couple of boys there. And I just want you to picture this. This is in, I swear, it's in the Bible. They're going, balding, balding, slickhead. Hey, ugly man, balding. And Elisha stops, and he looks towards the woods, and the Bible says that he called by some strange power, bears from the woods. Let me say that again, bears, to attack his tormentors. Boy, there's a lesson there, isn't it? Do not make fun of a bald man. You don't know how close he is to God or how many bears he knows by name. And, and, and so, you know, they're begging for his help. They know what he's done. And Elisha is, is kind of toying with him. Did you look at it? He's got the kings on the string. He said, well, what, what do we have in common? What do we have in common? You know, you guys don't believe what I believe. You guys are blaming God for you being here, but if you'd had any kind of relationship at all with God, you'd have never gotten to this place. My faith is here. Your faith is in yourself. Matter of fact, if it weren't for Jehoshaphat, who at one point in time in his life had a little faith, I wouldn't even listen to. Why don't you call on the puppet prophets of your father and your mother, he said. He brings your mama into it. He's just toying with them. It's amazing. Suddenly, they wanted God. They wanted what God could do on their side. And Elisha's saying, where have you been when times were good? Where have you been? When God needed you. Why weren't you worshiping him before now? Why weren't you calling on his name before now? Where was your faith before now? So what kind of faith works, guys? If I were to say, describe for me a faith that works. Because what you're going to see Elisha do, we already read about it, is he's going to teach a lesson in what kind of faith God responds to. A faith that works. 
And we're going to see a couple of things about that faith. First of all, it's effective and it's active. It's effective. I want you to remember those words. It's effective and it's active. So here's what Elijah says to, or Elisha says to them. God says that he will bless you. God says he's going to get you out of this fix. But before he's going to send water, he wants you to send the armies, all three of them, out into the valley, out into the desert, and he wants you to start to dig ditches. Dig ditches. He wants you to be a part of what he's going to do. Now, can you imagine when the kings gave that order to their men? They're already thirsty. They're already worn to a frazzle. They're in the middle of the desert, and the king says, well, Elijah, Elisha said and God said that we need to dig ditches. If we're going to get out of this fix, get busy. I imagine there were some guys who were pretty reluctant to pick up a shovel because sometimes faith causes you to have to do some things, first of all, that are ridiculous in your mind and things you don't even want to think about doing. Sometimes faith seems ridiculous in nature. Here's the truth. Only God can send the water, but sometimes you need to dig a ditch. You need to dig the ditch. You know, I don't know what you're praying for, where you are in life this morning, what, what that greatest need that you've been kind of thinking about as you listen to this message is. But I do know this. God will respond to your prayer with faithfulness when he sees your faith. The ladies sang about that this morning. The healing that came when, when men demonstrated their faith in God's healing ability. It's almost like God said, dig the ditch, I'll send the water. Show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. Just think about some of the things that we might be praying for today. Maybe, maybe some of you, uh, you're praying for a better relationship with your spouse or with a better friendship or there's, there's just a troubled tent to your relationship and you're praying about it and, and, and as you pray about it you know it's going to take a miracle for that relationship to be healed maybe God's just saying why don't you take the first step and even if you don't feel it and even if they don't deserve it why don't you reach out to that person and forgive them and renew your love for them show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. Some of you are in the process of raising children and, and, and you're hoping and praying that these kids are going to turn out right and you're asking God to work a miracle and in this crooked evil world that you could raise a godly child. Well maybe the first step in raising that child is being sure that they're in church. Not making it an option. It's amazing to me how everything else can be a rule for some parents in church is an option. Maybe every once in a while you read the Bible or pray in front of them. Set an example in front of them. Show me your faith. I'll show you my faithfulness. Maybe you've got a 
a habit in your life you're trying to kick could be anything from cigarettes to something far worse. Maybe you just need to throw a pack of cigarettes in the garbage. Maybe you need to uh, lose the map to the liquor store. Show me your faith. I'll show you my faithfulness. Maybe, you know, I'll just talk about guys right now. I know some guys who are single. I'm part of that tribe. And and they're all the time saying, you know, I really would like to meet a lady. I'd like to, you know, find a, a good girlfriend, a beautiful girlfriend, and and get married and live happily ever after, you know, and, and, you know, I watch these guys and I hear them gripe, groan, and grumble, and I'm sure ladies do the same thing. I'd really like to find Mr. Wonderful, but the guys I know who just keep whining and whining and whining, every once in a while, if they'd brush their teeth, it would help, (laughs) right? Amen? Comb their hair, buy a new shirt, wash, iron the shirt, Throw, you know, sell their Xbox. <laughs> Come out of the basement. You know, God can send a babe, but you got to brush your teeth first, guys. Right? You understand what I'm saying, don't you? Show me your faith, and I'll show you my faithfulness. And that's what God, through Elisha, was saying to these guys who thought, They could be so good on their own. They could rule their kingdom. They could march their armies. And now they had gotten to a place of desperation and despair. How wonderful would it be if we would wake up before we got to a place where we were desperate? How wonderful would it be if we would offer faith and we'd begin to take these steps before it got to crisis point, that God didn't have to send a wake-up call, that God didn't have to, to, to get us in a, such a place that we had no other choice but Him. How wonderful would it be if we just had faith to get God in on the plan from the beginning? Show me your faith, and I'll show you my faithfulness. You see, often God wants us to participate in his miracles. And do you know what I think the definition of a sad, wasted, ineffective life is? Is that you miss the opportunity to be right in the middle of a miracle. You, you lived and you died, you went through all of your days, and you never allowed God to do something that only he could do through you in your life. Why is it as churches, why is it as, as, as individuals, we settle so often for simple and empty and clumsy faith when we could have ridiculous faith? When we could see things and God can take his places and do things through us, can can bless us individually and collectively as a church because our faith was God-sized. Ridiculous faith. Here's another truth about faith that's active and effective. It believes big. 
I ask you to do that from the very beginning today. It believes big, but it starts small. For the kings that day, it was just looking for Elisha, just finding the man of God who could call upon God. And you see, that first step can be really simple and be really small. It might be as simple as you sitting in this pew and acknowledging how much you need the hand of God on your life. It might be as simple as a hug or a word of forgiveness, as a first step away from a problem, stepping out of a comfort zone, trusting God more, believing that he knows what's best. It can be a big dream, but it might start small. You know, speaking about the size of that dream, here's something else I want you to know. If, if, if this doesn't scare you a little bit today, if, if when you hear this message and you feel God's spirit in your heart and life and he's saying everything can change, something big can happen, there can be healing, there can be a new start, there can be uh, more blessing in your life, uh, financial freedom in your life, you can raise amazing kids. If it isn't daunting, if it isn't scary, if it isn't bigger than you, If it isn't intimidating to you, it just might be insulting to God. You see, I think we tend to pray small prayers with small faith. I want to be honest. You know what the biggest thing I prayed for yesterday was? I got stuck, and I prayed to get unstuck. Now, in the moment, that was pretty big. You know what happened? Three boys came out of my house and pushed me out. God answered that quickly. But he had a backside to that. They got in the car, and I had to buy them food. (laughs) But that was my biggest prayer yesterday. I want to get out of this ditch. I want to get unstuck. God said, that's easy. You see what Elisha said when, when, when the kings prayed for, you know, we need to get out of this mess? He said, that's easy for God. Do you know the biggest issue in your life? Listen to me. The biggest issue in your life is easy for God. The biggest issue. Don't be afraid to take that powerful force, that powerful problem, in your life, to God. Verse 20 said it started to rain. We got a picture of what rain in the desert looks like. It's really kind of cool. It started to rain. They'd been out there digging ditches, and only when the ditches were, were ready, only when the first steps had been taken, did God cause it to rain. The Bible says it probably had never rained there before, but God was causing it to rain. God was doing something only God could do. God was bringing rain in the desert. God was bringing healing and power and mercy and grace on people who had finally decided to trust him. God was saving an army. God was delivering the enemy. 
And you know, I believe that's what God wants to do in your life. I, got, I believe God wants to bring rain upon a dry heart. I believe God wants to bring rain on a dry relationship. I believe God wants to soak and cover broken places in your life. God wants to pull you out of your addictions. God wants to grant his mercy and his favor and his blessing and his prosperity upon you. God wants to make it rain where it's been dry. And it'll only happen when you say, I can't do this by myself. My faith has to get bigger. God, I have to see you how you really are. I have to see you high and lifted up with the whole world in your hand. I have to realize how much you love me and that your plans for me are perfect. My faith has to grow. It has to reach ridiculous proportions. What's your greatest need? What's your greatest need? It's easy. It's easy for God. Pray with me. Father, I thank you this morning that nothing is beyond your power. Things that loom large in our lives look small to you. Burdens that are too heavy are light for you. And Father, I pray that in just a moment when we open this altar, that people all around this room will take first steps of faith. Faith that for some will lead to a brand new relationship with you, a relationship of salvation, a relationship where that which is lost is found that which is desperate is saved. People will see how much you love them for the first time and claim heaven. That first step for others is is a step to forgiveness, restoration, and healing. It's starting over. It's believing and trusting that nothing's too big for you. Father, your faith, your faithfulness, it'll be activated by our faith. That's your promise. Let this time of invitation be a time of absolute faith. May your hand work. May your mercy fall. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And as I've said, the altar's open. No reason to leave like you came in. No reason to leave burdened and broken when God wants to heal and restore. An invitation to come share with your family in communion. No better way to grow closer together than to get God in the mix of your family. Come and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that nothing is impossible. Salvation is mine.